0: Thank mm-hmm. you. Because words,
1: they don't do your power much justice. It's It's too great, too great to be bound by little letters we make up. And it's funny that we sometimes think we understand the fullness of Your glory by calling you this and that. But the reality is that we can't fully comprehend.
2: Thanks so much for joining us. We are so glad that you're online with us today. And I just want to let you know that we've been praying for you. We know this is crazy, but God's in control and we're all battling fear in some way, shape or form. And so as we get ready to jump into our service here in a few minutes, I just want to remind you that we have hope in the Lord and we're battling against fear. So check out this video.
0: Hey everyone, thank you
3: for joining us today. Lift your voice and sing with us. privilege to sing to the one who saved our soul man i love that worship and praise of god can travel through a screen and through some cables and and the internet today and god is both transcendent and imminent higher than we can imagine but also so personal and approachable and so that's why we sing to him we to lift our voice and and sing praise to a god who sees us, who loves us, but is also maker of the stars. We get to sing. Father, we look to you you're where our help comes from. Father, I thank you for this time that we can just sit wherever we're at and worship your name despite our circumstance, God. That we can praise your name because of who you are, because of who we've seen you be. And I pray that Just because one little thing is going on, or maybe a big thing is going on in our life, that we wouldn't abandon our knowledge of you being our healer, being our helper, battling the grave. And so we thank you for that, and we love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.
2: Hey, everybody. So good to be with you online today. I want to share with you some of the things that are coming up. Before we do all of that, I want to share just a second. Would you go to the front page of our website? If you're visiting for the first time, we're so glad to have you on the stream today. If you're part of our church family, would you go to the front page of our website? Would you click on the connect card and just fill it out? We're, We're just so thankful for you guys and just want to let you know that every time you fill these out, we look at them, we read over the prayer requests. And if there's anything that you guys need, how we can pray for you, or if there's anything you guys need, just let us know. We'd love to connect with you. Listen, church family, we're going to be together on June 6th and the 7th in our building. We're going to gather as a church family. We're going to worship together, and we're going to follow all the CDC guidelines, and we're so looking forward to being together on June 6th and 7th, so June 6th on Saturday night at 6 o'clock, and then 9.30 and 11 a.m. on Sunday, we're also going to be online, so if you're not feeling comfortable yet to join us in person, would you join us online? So we'll be online, we'll be live on Saturday night at 6 and Sunday at 9, 30 and 11, and then we'll also be streaming at 3 o'clock and at 7 o'clock on Sunday. So we're looking forward to being together, and we're also looking forward to seeing everybody online. Guys, keep bringing in those non-perishable items because every Friday they go out. We're partnering with Blessings in a Backpack, and these families are just so thankful and grateful for the food that you guys keep bringing in. So every, every day when the, during the office hours in the lobby or on the front porch, bring in these non-perishable items as you guys all do your grocery shopping and go ahead and drop it off and just know the families are being impacted so on May 11th, this past couple of weeks, we were able to give away food to families in need, and we're going to do it again on June 8th. And so we're going to have our blessings of hope on June 8th, and we're going to be giving away food to our families that are in need. So anybody in our community, in our church that's in need, would you spread the word? Share the Facebook posts. Uh, Get the word out. Get the information out. Um, But if you would like to serve at this, uh, please go to the front page of our website. If you would also like to give to this, um, you can see information on the front page of our website. But this is Blessings of a Hope, and this is going to be on June 8th. So thank you so much, and we're looking forward to what God is going to do. Every Wednesday night, don't forget, 7 o'clock on all of our platforms, online church platform, Facebook, as well as YouTube. We're going to be gathering for a time of prayer, uh, just inviting everybody to join us and submit prayer requests. And then Pastor Ken and I are going to just participate partner with you guys and just have a time of prayer, read scripture and just meditate on how good the Lord is and and we're we're really looking forward to that. It's been a sweet time every Wednesday, but make sure to join us every Wednesday at seven o'clock online. Guys, thank you for giving and being faithful as we continue to just trust trust the Lord by faith. You know, every single day we're waking up and we're not sure what the day is going to hold, but we can trust and know that the Lord is good. He is our strength, he is our refuge And so thank you for giving. Thank you for being faithful to the Lord. You can give online. You can give in the mail. Or you can even give in the offering box on the wall here at church. But guys, thank you for giving. And as we uh, get ready to jump into the sermon here in just a minute, just know that God's going to teach us something today. He's going to teach us through his word. And so I'm so looking forward to that. Thank you for joining us online today. We'll see you.
4: Crossroads, we're so glad to join with you this morning as we gather online. And uh, I just want you to know how thrilled we are that we are going to be reopening the church here next Sunday, that weekend, June the 6th on Saturday, June 7th on Sunday. And uh, we're looking forward to having you here. Pennsylvania has now moved into the green phase. We are all the more excited. We have taken the last three Sundays and have drive-in church. We've been doing drive-in church on the parking lot. And so um, we, we've had a great time out there. But we've also been streaming online with, uh, with our online congregation. And so today I want to encourage you as uh, this is good news. You know, we've been talking about set free. We have been set free. And I want you to know that, <clears throat> that we have gone to great lengths to make a safe environment for you, as you return, we are going to have a a great time of regathering the church here. We will have this, the the rows will be six feet apart. We will have, we will take the measures necessary to keep everyone safe and yet be a friendly family environment. So I'm looking forward to next weekend as we start to have church regathered. I want to encourage you, bring your kids in with you. We're going to have a good time of celebration. I'm thrilled about our next sermon series. You're going to love this. We're going to have a great June and July. And so God is moving. He's doing great things. And I just want you to know that verse from Psalm 30 has been on my mind. Though weeping lasts for the night, joy comes in the morning. And folks, I realize that we're not completely through this. We're going to return to somewhat of a new normal, if you will. It won't be the way that it was, but I'll tell you what, in many ways it's going to be better. We, are going, we have made so many connections. And I just want to share with you online, so many people have trusted Jesus as their Savior. We've had about 40 people. Folks, that's a complete miracle. Forty people have trusted Jesus as their Savior through our online gatherings, and I want to encourage you to keep following Jesus. So next Sunday when we return to in-person services, we will be streaming them live right here from this auditorium. The people that are here will be able to participate. You'll still be able to participate at home. So we want you to come back to church when you're comfortable. When you feel that you are at ease to be able to walk in and, uh, and we will take all the social distancing measures. We're not going to congregate in our foyer. We're not going to have much congregating time in here. And we're actually going to shorten the services by about 10 minutes. So I want to encourage you to come, and then afterwards, you can greet and say hello to a few people in the parking lot, just as they've been doing during the drive-in services. So we're looking forward to it. You'll hear more details on our website. I want to encourage you, go to our website today after we're done, and uh, check out the website. You'll be seeing it on Facebook. We'll be putting it on emails, but we are thrilled and thankful We're looking forward to to reopening our weekend gatherings next weekend, June 6th and 7th. So rejoice with me, folks. I'm just so thankful. I'm just going to pray for us now before we get into God's Word. God, we come before you, and I thank you. It's been a joy and a privilege, Lord, to teach your Word. God, as we have spent the last uh, eight weeks online, the last ten weeks online, God, you have not left us. You have been with us. You have moved in ways that only you get to glory. Forty people come to Jesus Christ uh, through our little ministry here. And, Lord, you're doing that not just through our ministry, but through ministries all over the world. So we thank you, Lord. I thank you for those that are joining us in across the country, for those that are joining in with us right here in Finleyville and in Pittsburgh area. So, God, we thank you and we bless your name. And, Lord, as we jump into your word, God, I pray that you will you will teach us something so powerful today and, uh, and, and talk to our hearts. Talk to each person's heart out there, Lord, as your word goes in and can be life-changing for them. In your precious name we pray, amen. And folks, I want to encourage you today. We're wrapping up our series on Set Free. And how appropriate is it, huh? We've been set free, and and I know that there's a whole lot of that that we're going to be going through in the state of Pennsylvania for the days to come. But a little little breath of relief. And as we've been set free, I want to remind you that this was a letter the Apostle Paul wrote, the book of Galatians, and he writes it to, to the new believers in a town known as Galatia. And all these new believers, they've been, they've been struggling with this false teaching that somehow they had to go back under the law. They had to go back and be a good person. They had to do something to gain God's favor. But Jesus says it is Him and Him alone. God says it's what He did on the cross. Jesus paid the price once and for all for your sin, and He came back to life again for you. So I want to invite you to trust Him today as your Savior. That's what the Apostle Paul is teaching. He says, listen, you don't have to go back. You don't have to go back to yesterday. You don't go back under the law, and you don't go back underneath the things that are really bad. The things that are going to destroy your life. You don't have to be a slave to anything. You've been set free. So in chapter 5, he went through the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh. And and we looked at that contrast last week. And if you missed that, you can go to our website and you can catch that. I, I realized last weekend was a Memorial Day weekend. A number of people were traveling. A number of people were just out on a boat. So you can always go to our website and pick up our messages as we've been traveling through the book of Galatians here. And all of our messages are always on there. We try to get them up by about Monday afternoon. So I want to encourage you today as we look at the final closing remarks. You know, the last chapter of Paul's letter is kind of like his closing. And so, uh, you know, like many pastors, they, they, they say, now I'm closing, and it's a half hour later. I know I've been accused of that many times. The Apostle Paul comes and And he's wrapping up, and he's coming in, and he's writing his final remarks. And as he does so, he keeps telling us, he kept telling us all throughout the book of Galatians, this is who God is, this is what he has done. And now the Apostle Paul is going to tell you a few things. Because this is who God is, this is how you should respond. This is how you should act. So these are the imperatives, like you need to do this, because God, this is who he is. And so he does that at the bottom of chapter 5. He picks up here. Since we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. He says, listen, since you have been set free by the Spirit of God, you have life. You have life eternal, and you have life that begins now. Since you are getting that freedom from the Spirit of God, we must follow the Spirit of God so what he wants you to do is follow him and and understand that this is who he is. This is what he's done for you. He's paid the price uh, uh, on the cross for you. And now he wants you to be able to go out and live in this joy. Follow the spirit of God. He continues on with some real good advice. We must not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. We must not become conceited here. And and you're like, wait a minute, where's this coming from? Like all of a sudden he's talking about the, the works of the flesh versus the spirit, what the spirit will produce, the fruit of the spirit that he'll produce in your life. And then he also talks about the works of the flesh, right? And there's this big contrast. He says, therefore, live by the spirit, walk in the spirit. We must not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another, Wow, what, when you think about that, what is all this talking about conceit? Well, conceit, if you go back and you were to study what the, the word conceit meant uh, from the original language there, it has this idea of empty honor or vainglory. And he says here, don't have this empty honor. Do you ever meet somebody who's conceited? Oh, you say, well, they got a big head, right? Or, or they're just so arrogant, they're so cocky. And, and we have terms that we would refer to people like that. And God says, "Don't be conceited, don't be puffed up with empty honor, don't be pumped, uh, puffed up with vain glory." And then I like this definition that Tim Keller gives of conceit. This is so good. He says that conceit is a deep insecurity, a perceived absence of honor and glory, leading to a need to provoke, to, to prove our worth to others and ourselves it's a deep insecurity you know really the person who's conceited has the most insecurity and so what they're saying here is you know, and they come across like they've got it all together Timothy Keller gives a great definition here the biblical definition here. he says what he's trying to drive at here is that many people are walking around with this deep insecurity because nobody's told them they've done a good job because they don't they don't sense honor. There's a a perceived absence of honor and it leads to this. Look at this. It leads to a need to prove our worth to somebody else or worse yet, even to yourself. This in turn fixates our minds on comparing ourselves with others. And folks, I've said this over and over. If you want to be unhappy, just compare yourself with anybody. Uh, If you want to be unhappy, Begin to make comparisons. You see, the conceited person, uh, when we think about being conceited, we always think of the, the high side of that, the person who, who, who thinks that they have it together, the, the being superior, right? Well, that's why the Apostle Paul uses both words here. He says, don't, be, uh, don't become conceited, provoking, or envying. So let's look at what he means by provoking here. Provoking, number one, is this. The, the, the Greek word was uh, prokaleo. And it means this. It means to compare, to, compa- to be competitive, to challenge someone to a contest. It, it's, it's a competitive nature. You know, we all love a good competition when it comes to sports, right? We all love our team. We all love to cheer, for, cheer on. But when it comes into, into interpersonal relationships, do you realize competitiveness, provoking, challenging someone... In other words, challenging that you're better than they are. And, and he says that basically this becomes a superiority complex. And many people are walking around with a superior, superiority complex. They feel that they have, uh, they have arrived, that they are better than somebody. While they may not say it, it's the emotion that they are feeling. And it's the attitude that they carry. So when, when you see this, the Apostle Paul says, don't have a superiority complex. And then he goes to envying. Envying is this. What does that mean? It means you want something that rightfully belongs to someone else. So when you're talking about this, uh, this, this whole thing of being conceited, the vainglory, he says that the people who are provoking, on one hand, they're provoking and saying, I need to feel better than you. You're worse off than I am. And he says, don't you do that, and don't come and be the envying person, because the envying person says, I want something that doesn't belong to me. I want something, I I need, I need this, And, and, and it's the inferiority complex. So we have one is superior, and the next one is the inferiority complex. And so when you think about it, somebody who's inferior complex, you think of somebody who's down and, and I could never be good enough. The Apostle Paul says, I, I don't want you to have vain, vain glory. I don't want you to go through this. See, the problem with both these are provoking and envying. They're both focused heavily on what somebody else thinks about you. Both are focused heavily on how the other person makes you look, how they make you feel. And the Apostle Paul says, don't let that happen to you. Don't let somebody else determine how you feel. Don't let somebody else, don't worry what other people are thinking about you. And folks, this is the problem that drives and destroys relationships. You see, if I'm worried more about what you are thinking about me, I will be a different person. I will not be myself. I can uh, not do what I'm supposed to do, right? Right? Provoking versus envying. Inferior and sub- superior, they are both trying to gain their competition. It's a competition. They're both competing for value from somebody else, value at the expense of somebody else. Now, think about this. Um, in, in a marriage, you know, did you ever hear of a, a husband and wife that keep score? Well, you got to go out twice last week, so I got to go out twice. Uh, you, you, you did this, so I need that. You bought that toll, so I need to buy this dress. And, and, and the list goes on and on and on. The Apostle Paul says, no, 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 no. It's no competition. There's no envying. There's no provoking. Don't go either route. Don't be the superior that has to make yourself feel good by pointing out how bad everybody is around you. Or, 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 or just by even making other people feel bad. And don't be envious by saying, I'm no good and I can't reach up to somebody else because you're all putting this on somebody else. You're making somebody else has to make you feel good to be who you are. So the question I want to ask you this morning is, are you provoking or envious? Are you a provoking type of person or are you an envious type of person? So as I just read a few thoughts to you this morning, would you think about this? Do I tend to pick arguments with people or do I completely avoid confrontation? Are you provoking or envious? Think about that. Uh, do I tend to get very down on individuals and groups of people or am I more often embarrassed and intimidated around certain people? Am I provoking or am I envious? You, you answer the question. Uh, when criticized... Do I get very angry and very judgmental and simply attack back? I'd say that's provoking. Or or do I get discouraged and get very defensive and make lots of excuses and and just give right in? When criticized, how do you respond? you see the envious? The provoking or envious? Do I often think I would would never have done that, what that other person has done? Or, Or do I often overlook what what, uh, what uh, look at what people? Do I often look at what people say? And I could never accomplish what they have done and what they say that they can do. I could never be like anybody else. And woe is me. And so the Apostle Paul says, "Folks, you don't have to go there. Folks, you have been set free from being provoking and from being envious. You don't have to do that. Your self-esteem is not based on there. It is a gospel-based self-image." Now catch this with me. You don't have to go there anymore because God says that you can have a gospel-based self-image. What is a gospel-based self-image? Gospel-based self-image is this. Jesus died on the cross. I cannot earn my way to heaven. That's humble. That's humility because he died. He paid the price for my sin. I need to humble myself. I cannot earn my way to God. I need a Savior but yet I am a child of the king you see I am now not just uh, I am now not just oh woe is me I have a savior and the savior saved me and I'm a child of the king and so folks I want to encourage you one of the great things that we need to do in our life as we're growing in Jesus is this is to let the scripture let God's word apply to all areas apply God's word to your emotions. Folks, many of us have emotions that are all over the gamut. Sometimes we have anger to fear to I want to get back. I want to get even. And so God says, apply his word to your emotions. And how do we do that? Look at what Galatians three twenty six said. He says, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Through your faith in Christ Jesus, you have become a A child of God, a son or daughter of God. You are the child of the king. Go ahead and pick on me, folks. You can pick on me all you want. I have got the boldness of being the child of God. And I want to encourage you to be like that too. They can pick on you all they want. It doesn't matter. You don't have to defend yourself. You are the child of the Most High God. And yet, you don't have to be just laying down all the time. I am humble. Listen, I I don't have to walk around with a big head. I don't have to walk around with my actions because my actions and and my list of resume of the things that I've done mean nothing to God. They mean nothing. That's why Jesus died on the cross and He paid for my sin. So therefore, I want to continue to grow. I want Him to transform my life. I am a son of the Most High God. You can be confident because of your faith in Jesus Christ. You're humble because you need Him. Confident yet humble. And you see the two of these grow together. And this is where the struggle in our life is going to be. Uh, we're going we're to sometimes take one of these characteristics and go a little too far one way or the other. But may I encourage you that the struggle is real. You will continue to grow. And, and you have to preach this to yourself every week. Every day. I have to get up and tell myself, I am a child of the Most High God. It's going to be a great day today, not because of the circumstances, but because of who my daddy is. And I want you to do the same. Who's your daddy? It's God Almighty. Come to the Lord Almighty and understand he's my daddy. He loves me. He cares for me. And you know what? I didn't earn him as my dad. He chose me. And I love that. God has chosen you. And if you're, you're sitting here today and you say, I'm not, not a child of God yet. God says I, the invitation's open for you. He wants you to be a part of his family. But it's all in the work of God. So you, you're humble yet confident. Then the Apostle Paul continues on here. Verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 6, he says, Brothers. Now, check that out. <clears throat> That's an interesting word, brothers. I know some churches, as I shared in weeks gone by here, that uh, several churches will, will go around, walk around saying, Hey, Brother John, Brother Sue. I'm sorry, Brother, Sue, Brother John, Brother George, Sister Sue, Sister Sally. And so they, they will go around, they'll, they'll be talking and uh, just having a good time calling each other brothers and sisters. But the Apostle Paul says here, listen, walk in the Spirit, put the conceit down, and let's be family. Let's be family. If someone, now check this out, if someone is caught in any wrongdoing, If someone is caught in any wrongdoing, if one of your family members is caught in wrongdoing, what's he say to do here? You who are spiritual should restore such a person with a gentle spirit. He's giving this practical wisdom. He says, listen, don't be conceited. Don't look down upon them. Because what's he say here? Watch out for yourselves so that you won't be tempted as well. He says that you could very easily be tempted just like they were tempted. And just as you watch somebody fall and do something wrong, you can very easily go do it yourself. He says if someone who is caught in doing wrong, uh, brothers, he says, I want you to restore them. The word, to re- the word restore here is a very interesting word. Restore means it 's the same word that they would have used in the original language it 's the same word that they would have used to put a broken uh, i 'm sorry a dislocated bone back into place. Take a dislocated bone and put it back into place and that you know how painful that is i 've never experienced it, but i 've watched many people go through that and, and you know when you, when you start to understand this the, 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 that that is how painful this is, like a parent, if your child is dislocated. A bone, and you have to go to the doctors. It's not very fun for the parent to watch, and it's not very fun for the child. Like, like there, there's a necessary amount of pain that has to be happened before they set that bone back into place. And, And it's not even fun for the doctor, I would imagine. But it's necessary, and it's painful, and it has to be done. And you know what the scripture says here? The Apostle Paul says, "I want you to restore these people. They got out of line." And I want you to put them back into the socket. And it's going to be painful. Folks, we can't force people. They have to go along with it. It's going to be painful. We put them back in. And you know, just the fact that you've confronted it is painful. Just the fact that you shared with them is painful. He says, you who are spiritual should restore them with gentle spirit. Come alongside and say, hey. You've missed the point. You're not experiencing life anymore. Oh, you know what? Many people think that that means we just are happy and everything's good and we just are always ignoring the glaring issue in their life. No, 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 no. That's not what this means. It means to take the glaring issue and privately, quietly confront them and help put the bone back into place. And as we do that, folks, I want to remind you, that you just can't do that to anybody. Don't go around and see somebody that you think is doing something that's really not right and really not honoring God. Don't don't pick on them. But I'll tell you what, he says, if uh, if you have this friendship, if you have the the family relationship, if you have that refrigerator rights movement there, right? You can open their refrigerator. You can go in. He says, I want you to restore them, and so God will use you. As you go in and you confront. And now listen, here's, what, here's where it gets a little, bit, a little bit hairy. It's easy for us because if we have a superiority comp- complex to look down upon somebody who's not doing well. And we can look down upon them and we can say, they're no good, they should not have done that, what's wrong with them? They're evil. And then the inferior complex goes the opposite way. I, I don't think I could ever tell them. I don't think I could ever address this with them. Do you see the context that Paul's talking about provoking and envying? So as God has placed you into each other's life, come alongside and and say, now listen, I'm going to risk the fact that you will not like me anymore. I'm going to risk the fact that that I might lose our friendship by, by telling you that, listen, you're missing out on the greatness of God. Like God... Has all this blessings for you, and you've chosen to walk away from the blessings of God, and you're eating with the pigs? That's what God says. Listen, come along and restore them. And do it gently, and if they respond, that is wonderful. But the inferior complex will say, I'm afraid to address that because I will lose the friendship. The superior says, I'm not doing that, or, or I will gladly do that, and I'll do it with the wrong spirit. So God tells us here to restore one another. Continues on, verse 2, chapter 6, verse 2. Carry one another's burdens. Oh, folks, uh, carrying one another's burdens is, is really to be close. It requires us to build some friendships. It requires us to come alongside of each other and to get down under. If you're going to carry a burden, uh, you, you just don't, it's not like carrying a little meal here. It's like getting under when you go help somebody move. Did you ever go help somebody move? Oh, I just love that. You typically go to help somebody move and nothing's ready, right? You go in and in the living room there's a big couch and you've got to get one end on the other. Uh, and then, you know, here's the dresser. It's upstairs and it's, it, it's the, the wife's long dresser, right? And it's got 12 drawers in it and they're all filled with clothes and, and they didn't take any of the drawers out. And to come along and bear the burden... You know that man couldn't carry that down down the steps by himself. So you come along and you get under the other end and you lift it and you pick that up. Man, I watched uh, for years here. We used to have a, a big old piano that would move out from time to time. And I watched, would watch George uh, Deason come in and he would move that. He would just get under there. But I'll tell you what, he couldn't do it himself. He had a system. He knew how to do it. And There was three guys. And they would come and they could move this grand piano all done well. Because why? They carried the burden together. Folks, I want to invite you to carry one another's burdens. What are the burdens that we carry? Hmm, It could be responsibility of raising a child. It could be just like, man, we're going through some tough times with our children. Um, It could be uh, children that are 4 years old to 14 years old. 24-year-olds. It could be children that are 40-year-olds. I don't know. But listen, we have burdens that we need to carry. And God says, come alongside and get underneath that burden. And then He continues on. He says, carry one another's burden. In this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Remember there was the Old Testament law? Well, what's the law of Christ? It's to love your neighbor. The law of Christ is simply this, to love your neighbor. So... So he says, by carrying one another's burdens, by restoring one another, you will fulfill the law of Christ to love God and to love each other. Thank God he only gave us, Jesus gave us two commandments, to love God and to love each other. Galatians chapter 6 continues on, verse 3. He says, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. In other words, he says, listen, if you're going to go down this route and you're going to think more highly of yourself than you should, you're not going to be good to help anybody. You're not going to be able to come along and carry anybody else's burdens because your head's so big, you can't help anyone. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Verse 4, he continues, he says, each one should test his own actions. In other words, each one of us has a a life that God's called us to live. And he says, then he can take pride in himself alone. Now, he's not talking about conceited pride here. He's talking about that sense of responsibility. He says, without comparing himself to somebody else, for each one should carry their own load. Now, he just says to bear one another's burdens. Now, he says to carry their own load. Two different things. A load in the original writing would be like a backpack. Carry your own responsibility. Carry your own load. You know, when I go through the airport, I have my little bag that I carry, and it's, it's my load. My, my wife has her purse. It's, it's her load, right? But uh, when it comes time for the suitcases, when we're taking the suitcases off the carousel, it seems to all be my load, right? It's just like, listen, I, my wife's just standing there waiting for me to get all this. Why? I'm carrying the burden for her. So there's our load, and then there's our burden. And we continue on here. He says that each one should test his own actions. And, 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 and the pride is, is not a, a puffed-up pride. It's not that he's saying, listen, it's a sense of responsibility as you carry and you do what God has called you to do. You know, when you've had a sense of accomplishment, isn't that wonderful? God does great things in your life, and you get to give Him the honor and the glory. And anyone, now check this out. Anyone who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with his instructor. He continues on. He says, "Listen, as 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 you hear the word of God, you should share." And, and, and listen, folks, I'm so thankful for our church. I have a stack of notes that have come in during this pandemic, and I want to say thank you. You have said thank you. You have prayed for the church, you have blessed the church, you have encouraged my soul. And I want to thank you today for what you have done, how you've encouraged this teacher of God's Word. Because it was a dark hours, and we were coming together. We were turning on the lights of Jesus, turning on the light of God. We've studied His Word, and He says here, anyone who receives instruction, share good things with His instructor. Share all good things with His instructor. And so as he continues on here, um, he, he talks here in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, he says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Do not be deceived. In other words, the people that are not following, he says, Don't be deceived because God cannot be mocked. Whatever man sows, he'll also reap. Whatever somebody sows is what he's going to reap. In other words, what he plants is what he is going to reap. The one who sows, verse eight. The one who sows, uh, the one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. You, you talk to somebody who says, "Man, I, I, I you know, I just, I, I want my freedom. I want to go do this. I got, you know, I want to. Do, I have my rights, and I'm going to sow to these things that I know I shouldn't be doing." God says, "As you sow to that direction, you reap destruction." He says, "But the one who sows." To please the Spirit, from the Spirit, we'll reap eternal life. You will reap life that begins now and lasts forever. Folks, as you think about planting season right now, remind of a tomato. You know, this uh, picture I have here of a tomato that I'll just throw up here. It's a beautiful picture of a tomato. It's got all these seeds in it and just beautifully ripe. And it just makes you want to dive into that thing. But if you look inside of there, there's a bunch of seeds. And, you know, there's a guy in our church, Ken Myers. I love him dearly. Ken Myers is in his 80s and probably watching online right now. And I want to thank God for Ken. Ken goes out and he plants tomatoes every year. And you know what he does? He takes those little seeds, and not necessarily from his own tomatoes. He probably buys a little pack of seeds, right? He takes those little seeds. They're dried out, and he plants them in the ground. And as he puts them in good soil, he starts in the winter. And he, he doesn't go buy the seedlings at, down at Lowe's or, or at a nursery. He goes and he buys the seeds. And he puts them under a lamp, and he watches the seeds grow. As the seeds grow, they keep growing and growing. Then he takes them outside, and he transplants them outside. And once the weather breaks, and he finally gets a beautiful crop. He gets a tomato plant that grows green and a fruit that is red and ripe. And he loves them. And if you get on the good side of Ken, you'll get a pack of tomatoes sometime this summer. And I'm so thankful for Ken and his tomatoes. But I want you to catch the principle here. You know what? You've got to plant it in order for it to grow. Ken, every year, knows how to plant the seeds and he knows how to grow it, and then he has great fruit. The scripture says here: Do not be deceived, for God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, whatever he plants, that's the fruit he will reap. God is not mocked. Now let me think. Let me th- think about this. The fruit, all right. The 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 uh, the plant sowing, all right. Now check this out. Number one, the harvest. When you think about the harvest. Most people just think about the harvest. They don't think about the planting. But the harvest is limited to the planting. You cannot have a harvest unless you're planted. Go down the street here from the church, Tracks Farm, you will not see a crop unless they plant seeds, unless they plant the plants. So you will not have a, 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 a harvest if you don't plant. And Paul here says, whosoever sows will get what they sow, the harvest will come, but you have to plant it. So the, the question is, where are you planting? Are you planting to righteousness or are you planting to the flesh? Big, good question here today. The harvest comes after the planting. Many people don't understand that. Many people want the harvest to come instantaneously. They, they, they want it and they want it now. The harvest comes later than the planting. Um, and, and he says, don't be deceived here, folks, for God is not mocked. Uh, don't be deceived. Uh, don't be distracted. That word deceived, is uh, the original word meant uh, it's from where we get the word planet. Like, the, you know, the people that were stargazers, they could be deceived by the moving of the planet. And they said, listen, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. And God says, don't be deceived But I want you to know that the harvest is going to come later after the planting. You have to plant first. The harvest is greater than the planting. You will have a much greater harvest than you planted. I want you to think about that. Those little tomato seeds, they produce great abundance of fruit, great abundance of tomato. I want you to think about the little boy who gave his lunch to Jesus. Jesus took that lunch. He divided it up. He started ripping it up. And they fed 5,000 people. He planted. God brought the harvest. God's going to do the same in your life. The harvest is, uh, is greater than the planting. You know, God talks about that when we give. He says, listen, in Malachi 3.10, He says, Prove me. Bring all the tithes into my storehouse that there may be, how, may be food in my house. And therefore, put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. There's one of the few times in the Scripture says, prove it, test me, I will, I will follow through. So if you plant, He follows through and He gives you the harvest. The, the harvest is proportional to the planting. In other words, if you don't plant, you're not going to have it. So on one hand, you plant and there's great fruit. But if you don't plant, you don't get any fruit. And then lastly today, we, don't, we can't change anything about this year's harvest. But we can change next year's harvest. Now think about that with me. You may not have planted much this year. But I can plant again for the next harvest. And God says in your life, He wants you to do the same. He wants you to plant unto righteousness. He wants you to plant unto the Spirit of God. Galatians 6, 9. Do not be weary. Now check this out. Do not be weary in doing well and doing good. For at the proper time... We will reap a harvest if we do not give up and quit. Folks, the things that God wants to produce in your life, you have to sow. God brings the reaping. God brings the harvest. If you will plant unto Him, He will will do the work. And for at the proper time, He will give you the harvest. Folks, I want to encourage you, don't give up and quit. Don't give up and quit. Therefore, verse 10, Therefore, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to all people. In other words, I realize I can't do for everybody. He says, but to all, do good. Don't separate. Don't treat somebody better than others. Especially to those who belong to the family of God. Especially to those that are your brothers and sisters. Love them. Care for them. Let's do good to all people. Let's close in prayer today. As we close today, maybe you're saying, Pastor Ken, I'm not following Jesus and, and I need a touch from God. I'd like to invite you to just open your heart to Him today. And just pray something like this. Dear God, I need you. I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things. And I believe that you died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You rose again. I invite you into my life right here, right now. Thank you for coming into my heart. And for others here today, maybe God has spoken to you. Maybe you've been on the conceited. Maybe you've been on the inferior or the superior. Uh, Maybe you haven't been planting. What is God talking to you about? Because where you plant, you will reap. Father God, I pray you'll be with each person as they respond to you. Work in mighty ways. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today, folks. We will see you tomorrow. No, tomorrow. We'll see you next Sunday. Next Sunday, Saturday and Sunday, we'll be here at the church. We'll see you online, and we'll see you in person if you're able to come. We would love to have you, uh, but there's no, no hurry. We want you to come when you feel comfortable. God bless you, and have a great day.
0: This dark room in silence fuel imagination. Tonight the stars shine bright and spell my name. The winter cold chill blows away and bonfire fire warms my heart under the night. You made it all As a sacrifice How deep, how deep, how deep